Samaritans and Heathenites. Light the incense in the ancient altar, double-check your prayers for grammatical correctness, and may the trumpets of love bring down the walls around your heart. Because it's time to talk to to me. To me. Hello, everyone. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together, we are Feckless Moans. And this is Talk Told to Me. A dusty midnight sermon in the Cathedral of Prague Rock in which New Testament Nick and Old Testament Omen will offer our postulate penance by reciting the parables of every single sacred track that Providence has allowed repentant rock band Jethro Tull to ever produce. We will celebrate the feast day of Florian Falais, attend the gospel of David Goodyear, and be moved by the Holy Hammond Spirit, all with the hopes that Apostle Anderson will see past the spewings of our sinful tongues and grant us Prague prudence, jazz justice, tambourine temperance, and flute fortitude. Hello, sweet listeners, welcome regular listeners, and welcome new listeners, those of you who may have stumbled upon our podcast, just looking up the zealot gene. And most especially, welcome nude listeners. You are welcome here. Come as you are. I will put a towel down on the leather couch. Nick, this is a a very, very special episode for us, is it not? That it is. Happy zealot gene day, everybody. This is so unusual. So typically what Nick and I do is work our way steadily, song by song, through the entire discography of Jethro Tull. We've been doing it for now about three years. We just started our fourth year. Right. And so we've, you know, we're basically through Stormwatch or close to being through Stormwatch. And typically we dedicate an entire 45 to 55 minute episode to a single track. However, however, we could not wait to get to late 2024 to get into the Zealot Gene track by track. And so we are taking a dip and doing essentially an album overview today. That's right. I reached out to friend of the pod, James Duncan Anderson, and said, hey, uh, is there any way- He officially said, friend, he can't take it back. It's it's in writing. I have it tattooed. We send him a a friendship bracelet. (laughs) It's our hair braided together. I, I reached out and said, hey, anyway, we could get a get a whole little sneak peek on this album so we can be ready to launch the episode the day the album drops. And he said, you know what? For my BFF, anything. I'm, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing. He said, who are you? Who are Who is this again? Talk, talk what to me? Feckless who? He hooked us up with some links. And Omen and I have been listening to this album for the last couple of days. And we are ready to talk. The Zealot Gene, I think. And I just want to say, before we get into the deets, that it is such a bizarre experience for our generation of Tull fans to listen to a brand spanking new Jethro Tull album. Yeah. 20, was it 22 years? Yep. 22 years. 22 years. The Christmas album came out. Yep. 
goodness. And of course, there have been some Ian Anderson solo albums, including Homo Erraticus, Thick as a Brick Part 2. Yep. But this is the first official. Official tall. Absolutely. So like Omen said, tune in in two and a half years if you want to hear the track by track. We're going to kind of do an overview here. I highly recommend that you listen to The Zealot Gene in its entirety at least once before listening to this podcast. We'll pause here. Go go listen. It's only 46 minutes and 49 seconds. Go listen to it. Come on back and then go track by track with us. Highly recommend it. Do you think anyone's listening to it right now? Right now? Are, are we going to are we gonna have 49 minutes of We're us just bantering? 49-minute space. We're going to vamp? 49-minute vamp, yeah. We'll just chat. We can do that. We've done that before. Now that you've listened to The Zealot Gene and I very much hope purchased a copy of The Zealot Gene, preferably from the Jethro Tull website. That's right. On which you can find The Zealot Gene in a variety of forms, including CD version, vinyl version, deluxe vinyl version, super deluxe vinyl version, and secret deluxe vinyl version. Is there a secret deluxe vinyl version? Oh, did you not know about it? No. <laughs> Who told you? Who told you? Oh, I can't say. I've said too much already. <laughs> now that you've had a listen, let's dive right in. So, Omen, this is the longest running group of musicians in Tull to date. Yeah, that, which is funny to think about because we had some very, we've already discussed some of the very long lasting lineups. We have, of course, Mr. Ian Anderson on vocals, flute, acoustic guitar, and as you no doubt have heard, harmonica. Yes, indeed. Spoiler alert. Excited to chat about that. We have uh, perennial guitarist Florian Ofale on the electric guitar. David Goodyear on the bass guitar, John O'Hara on piano, keyboards, accordion, all things keyed, essentially, um, and Mr. Scott Hammond on the percussion drums. And just to note, with Florian, he was the album only. He has since left the band, and Joe Parrish, James, has joined on as Tull's guitarist. Right. Um, another interesting thing to note about this, this album has been in the works for... Uh, almost five years. Ian yeah. started working on it in 2017. Yep. But uh, as he has stated, there were a number of other projects that were in the works at that time as well. A lot of archival stuff, you know, the Steve Wilson remixes were coming out steadily. And of course, they were touring like monsters like they always do. Oh, yeah. And, and then when the pandemic kind of shut everything down... They moved into the recording phase, and the way that this album was recorded is very, very unusual. It was all done remotely. Yeah, like us, like like everybody doing a podcast nowadays. It's all yeah. and and yeah. everyone doing all of their work. It's all remote. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, there's there's an interesting. In some ways, it's very appropriate for the time. It's very much a a a project of its of its era. Uh huh. But also. I mean, just mind-boggling when you listen to it. the The amount of clarity and the amount of the amount of musical complicity mm. that is achieved with these tracks that were all recorded separately is just mind-blowing. Oh yeah. And if you get one of the, if you get, I think, some of the the upgraded album versions that are available through the Tall website, you can actually get the demo tracks, the recordings of the demo tracks that Ian sent out to his bandmates, from which they were able to base their parts on. 
Oh yeah. I'm very interested to hear those. Very cool. Yeah, I've I've got that one coming in, so I will I'll make sure you get to listen to those. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Coming in very zealously. Should we read a little quote Ian's introduction to this album in Silent Singing, which those of us who were privy to Silent Singing before the album even came out, it was a bit of a glimpse at to what to expect with all of these lyrics. Sure. And just to, you know, just to to mention it for anyone who's not aware, Silent Singing is a compendium, an omnibus, if you will, of all of the lyrics in every Jethro Tull song put together by Mr. Ian Anderson. That was another big project that he worked on during lockdown. Yep. And um, it has a lot of wonderful information, pictures, ephemera published in it. And yeah, let's uh, let's hear what let's hear what the good flout man has to say. <laughs> we'll pull out a little quote here. I uh, I also recommend people go out and grab this because it's some great information, a great tall artifact. But a little quote here: You will notice in very small type. <clears throat> excuse me. Hold on, my Ian voice. You will notice in very small type the biblical chapter and verse references which fueled my songwriting here. I place great worth in the Holy Bible, especially the second half, and regard the storytelling and morality lessons as inspirational. But then there are tales of rage, lust, envy, treachery, devotion, loyalty, and love to cope with. The occasional fear-mongering does not sit well with me. Probably wouldn't have sat well with Jesus of Nazareth either, but then who am I to guess, especially since he must rely entirely on others for his narrative and its many translations. There you go. So, yes, this album is very biblically inspired. There, is, there are a lot of biblical references in it. Nick, I'm going to uh-huh. be leaning heavily on your altar boy days. I, I'm prepared. I am wearing my altar boy underpants and nothing else. I wasn't aware that altar boys wore underpants. Don't they? I, I had very special ones. They have snaps. They <laughs> Tear away. (laughs) That little blurb there really sums up kind of the idea, the overall idea of what we're getting into here with this album, the kind of the overall concept. Yeah. And I think we'll talk about some overarching stuff as we go, but but let's just dive right into the first track. Yeah, let's get into it. Track number one, five minutes and 54 seconds, the longest track off the album. It is Mrs. Tibbetts. Nick, this album is not messing around. Right out of the gate. What a hell of an opener. Yeah, I, I'm i really excited for when we get to talk about each song individually. It's going to be a real yes. struggle for us, I think, to, to not get too deep into each one. But yes. why don't we start by giving, just pulling out a couple of interesting bits. Let's see. Very synthy. Right off the bat, if Very if we if we didn't have real drums and some really like sweet licks on guitar, yes, this would remind me a little bit of Walk Into Light, a little bit with how yeah, synthy it is. I, I, yeah, that's a good a good comparison. I think it's it's really enjoyable listening to Florian because he 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 plays a similar role in the band as Martin did. I mean, uh-huh. obviously he plays the same <laughs> instrument because they they play the guitar. That's <laughs> the guitar role. No, but I mean the way that the music is composed. Sure. He comes in and does the same kind of thing emotionally, but with a different, with a distinct style. He's not sure. imitating Martin. He's not trying to be somebody else. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's th- particularly in this song, he's very, very chunky, chunky, heavy, and it's, it's nice. And, and it very, it leads very well into the, those darker parts 
in the uh, the bridge and the chorus and stuff. It's oh, it's very good. The intro of this song, you know, the the kind of uh, verses of this song remind me almost a little bit of like the band The Cars. Oh, okay, I get it. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, it's very bright and colorful. Yeah, Jay is just what I needed. <laughs> yep. The song and thus the album starts with this very ominous sound. Yes. Which then is followed by a an, um, an ominous synth sound. And then an ominous song. And then an ominous upbeat song. So Ian was inspired for this song from Genesis chapter 19 verses 24 through 28. A snippet of which reads... Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Mm, Old Testament. Old Testament. Naturally. Naturally. And there are a lot of references in this song to the first atomic bomb that was dropped by the U.S. That's that's all the references. (laughs) That is the reference. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Tibbetts' little boy was Colonel Paul Tibbetts. Paul Tibbetts, who was the dude who flew the Enola Gay, which was named after his mother, Enola Gay Tibbetts. And uh, it was a Boeing B-29 Superfortress bomber, and it dropped the uh, atomic bombs on August 6th, 1945. Yeah. So there are lots of references in this song. I mean, I'm I'm really excited to to really break it down. But, you know, I think for me, this song speaks to this sense that the most, you know, arguably the most destructive moment in the history of humanity, destruction which can only be described in biblical Old Testament terms. Right, yeah. Was effectively carried out by Mrs. Tibbetts' little boy. You know, somebody right. yeah. somebody who who played with blocks as a kid and, and you know, is, is just the same at the end of the day as every other kid walking down the street. Somebody's son had to fly that plane. Yeah. Yeah. I literally have chills. Yeah. And and just to to tie it all together that opening sound effect and the closing sound effect, those are planes. That's the I, that's yeah. prop planes, yeah. Oof, it's when I I didn't know the Tibbets reference. Mm-hmm. I I got the um I got the fire and brimstone. I got the uh the 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 correlation to the the bomb with the Manhattan toy and and those those references but yeah. but oh and the Enola Gay but when I looked up the the name Tibbets and put it all together it was oof it's it's poetically beautiful and horrifying and and just exactly what exactly what Ian does really really well but this is this is one of the darkest songs sound wise but also content wise it's one of the darkest songs we've ever heard from him I, it's really good it's really really good and and i like you know i love i love the dark sounds but i also love the kind of lightness that's in this song musically i think it provides a fantastic contrast to the dark subject matter and also i mean it's, i'm sort of like I'm sort of like grinning while all of my sphincters are closing down every last one yeah, except my grinning sphincter. The, gr- the gr- grinning and cringing. You're cringing. Yes, my nostrils are airtight. You couldn't you couldn't fit a drop of water in there. Nope. Let's uh, let's jump forward to the next song, shall we, Nick? Yeah, let's do track number two, Jacob's Tales, 
2 minutes and 13 seconds. That was so quick. Yeah, oh my gosh. Nick, what about that freaking harmonica? <sighs> oh my god. When's the last time we heard harmonica, let alone like really good harmonica in I don't tone. think we've ever heard Ian play the harmonica with this level of skill. It's so good. It's so it's good. So good. It's like it's like if Bob Dylan could play the harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if if I could play the harmonica. Okay. Yeah. Well, not not that good. Oh, okay. Okay. Very, um, no, it's such a. I literally. I was like the first time I heard it. I was. I was sort of like. I did a double take. I was like, Am I on? Is this the right album? My, the first word in my notes is in all caps harmonica with an intero yeah. bang. <laughs> like, yeah, it's shocking. And other than the harmonica, I'm pretty sure it's just the acoustic guitar. That's, uh, I think you, no, there's mandolin in there. There's mandolin on the, on the choruses. Or is ah. that acoustic? Well, it's pared down at any rate. We don't have the full band. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What a, what a f- funny, funky little blues number to follow that really synthy, that really, a, a, a song half as long, yeah. a lot lighter, completely different sound. To follow that really dark thing. Yeah. Which is nice. It's good to have that little lift in a way. Yeah, but this still has does still does have a minor sound to it though. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it, it does. There's especially with, with the chorus. Yeah, that does feel minor to me. I feel <laughs> a minor sin, what I just did. So speaking of sins, this is referencing Genesis chapter 25. Verses 27 through 33. Omen, a snippet, will you? So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau, because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Drama. Nick, any, um, care to, care to fill me in on this? What's, what's going on here? You uh, you actually read a fairly irrelevant line. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's the first line that he that uh, that he mentions. It's it's more more important that Jacob comes in from the countryside and says to to Esau, "Hey, I'm I'm dying of starvation. Give me some of your food." And Jacob says, "Okay, but give me everything that you are are owed in birth for being the like the older brother. You you give me your birthright." Esau says, but I, I'm literally about to die. What good is the birthright to me? And Jacob says, yeah, yeah, give it to me. So Esau did it and got a bowl of stew or whatever. But it, but his his birthright fell to Jacob. And the references in here is talking about that Auntie Mabel loved you more, loved you more than me. Who cares about family favorites dangling from the family tree? Who cares about family silver that glints in dusty halls? So wait a minute, Jacob fed Esau, uh-huh. but Esau was a good hunter. Why was he starving? Yeah, I think it's a reference to the fact that, that Jacob was stationary and like had, had a home, mm. whereas, whereas Esau kind of feels like um, kind of a, a nomad. Mm. Okay, so, um, so it's a biblical tale of brothers and kind of, kind of family politics. Family politics, inheritance of some kind. Yeah. And also it, it, the way it translates into the, the, the song itself, I think it's, it's more how two siblings that came from the same family can take 
two completely divergent paths and and end up doing different things and end up being different people. Well, and there's, you know, be, the way that ancient societies were structured, there was so much preference given to the firstborn. Oh, of course. Yeah. Or the legitimate child versus the illegitimate child. I mean, a lot of our a lot of our ancient stories are are full of that. Yeah. It makes me think of Game of Thrones. It does not make me think of Game oh, of Thrones, okay. but I'm but I'm glad it makes you think of Game of Thrones. <laughs> it makes me think of Edmund in King Lear. Yes, yeah. Quick song. Quick. There's nothing too terribly meaty, I don't think, content-wise. Except for the stew that Jacob made. Except for the stew, the literal meat of, of the stew. I've got nothing else. Good song. Good, fun, funky song. I really love it. I think it's a really fun kind of Ian Anderson in his in his singer songwriter days. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's a very it's a nice. I mean, we we've often spoken about how much we love acoustic Ian. Yes, and this is such a great showpiece for that. Yeah, agreed. What's up next? Up next, track number three. This is five minutes and forty seconds, the second longest track off of the album. This one is. Mine is the mountain. Prepare yourself. Brace yourself. I'm braced. Sweet goodness golly. If if a song, if you could say a song was the Old Testament, this would be it. Yeah, it's oh. yeah, well said. This is my second favorite song off of the, the album. Oh, you've already you've already found favorites. I have. I have. It's going to take yep. me years. Nope. You. We are. We're forcing you. You have. You have two and a half years. You have to have favorites by the time we we do this. Okay. In the, uh, I'll have in, some favorites by okay, that point. Okay. Great. 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 This song is seemingly speaking in the in the first person voice of the Old Testament God, and boy, is he Old Testament. Oh, he is Old and Testament. The biblical verses that Ian is referencing in this song are Exodus twenty through. Uh, Exodus 30, which is basically the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, 4 through 7, and then 30, number 7. It's it's like half of them. It's the really angry ones. Yeah, it's some of the four commandments, some of the Ten Commandments. To pull an important line out of there, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. 30 is just Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. Yeah, he he does do that, doesn't he? He does. He must. He must. It's interesting, though, because, you know, in the song are referenced some of the other commandments, don't imitate me, don't forsake me, in images of silver and idols of gold. Yeah. It's really interesting, you know, that is such an interesting commandment. Like, and it doesn't, and in fact, the way that it's worded in the Bible is not just don't create any images of me. It's don't create any, any images of me or anything that is in heaven or anything that is below the earth or anything. And that's why in some art forms in the Middle East, there, there are no images of any living being, no animals, no plants, nothing. It's all geometric. That's, what, that's where that whole geometric oh. art form came from. Interesting. Super literally. Yeah. As fallible humans are wont to do. Yeah. Well, and on the other side, as fallible humans are wont to put images of God and all the saints and Jesus everywhere. Right. Also, also that, depending on on which which sect you come from. 
Exactly. I want to pull out a line from this one that is just amazing and horrifying. I can make a cadaver of your women, your firstborn, with a snap of a finger of salt and of flame. Yes, it's very Thanos from the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Oh, so terrifying. So I want to talk musically a little bit. There are some things in this song. This, for me, is, I think, my favorite of Ian's voice. I do want to say that overall, I am loving his voice with this album. Every single one of these songs, he is he's built around his strengths at this point, and boy does he shine. Boy is it good and effective. Rather than singing songs live that he wrote as a 26-year-old. Exactly. And 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 who are we to blame him? And it's 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 the unexpected side effect of being a rock star for 50 plus years. Sure. Like well, that's gonna change for 50 plus years. Yeah, but nobody knows what I sang like 20 years ago, you know. I'm still waiting for my voice to drop. Someday you will, Omen. Someday. Speaking of dropping, when he sings Idols of Gold, his voice does like an octave drop on that one word, and it is huh. so chilling. And then immediately after, he does the falsetto. Mine is the mountain. It's so good. The first time I listened to it, my hair stood on end. Yeah. I kid you not. It's so effective. It's so effective. Follow and this song following that crazy harmonica, like he he is throwing some stuff that we have never heard yeah, it's so before. Cool. And it is my goodness the 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 idea of him writing this during the pandemic and during the the crazy the crazy politics of of the years leading up to it and all of oh that. Goodness, like yeah. I get why this is dark. And I yeah. get why there is is zealotry in the name, and it's oof. Interestingly, from a prog perspective, so far a lot of what we we've heard is four four common time. Oh yeah, we haven't had a lot of those kind of proggy time signature shifts. This is the first song that I can identify, at least that's in three three or sorry, that's in three four. Oh okay, which is uh, an interesting little shift. I wonder if there's a little bit of. If because of everything being recorded remotely, it was harder to get some of those fun shifts or if it's just oh, a sure. choice, I don't know. But it's yeah. just interesting to observe. Yeah. And and who knows, we may see some some more as we progress. I do think that there is, having listened to the album overall, I think there is a general sound progression. So maybe that, that works with works with the, the, the time signatures as well in terms of it getting more complicated yes, or something. Yes, totally. Nick, let's jump ahead to the next track, and in fact, the title track off this album, The Zelot Gine. That's, that is how it's pronounced. Track number four, three minutes, 54 seconds. Let's have a listen. Nick McGill. Wow. There we have the title track off of this album, The Zealot Gene. The most zealous of genes. <laughs> it's probably a boot cut. The... the- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, tight fit. It scoops the butt, but it's uh, yeah. it's a boot. Yeah, I like it. So this was the the third of the singles to drop, the third of the music videos to drop. Only a couple of weeks ago, I think it, it's not that long ago. No, no, they've been they've been very um, they've been giving us just just the tiniest, tasty morsel of crumbs and letting us salivate over them before the album drops officially. Just enough to to literally keep us alive. And then we will we'll glut ourselves on the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. The biblical verses that this cites, it's interesting. There are two of them from two separate books. We have Numbers 25, verse 7 through 11, and Ezekiel 9, verses 4 through 7. Mm-hmm. And Nick, I looked both of these up. 
And I think they're both of them have a lot of context that I didn't fully understand, but both of them have to do with essentially murder and and mass murder in the name of of God's will. Yeah, zealotry. It's go through the city and go through the city and mark the people who are my followers. And then when you're all done, kill everybody who doesn't have a mark on their forehead. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Ezekiel one. Uh And it's, you know, it's very graphic. It's like, make sure you kill the women and children. Don't don't forget that. Yeah. And then numbers is the same theme, but kind of opposite. God, this is obviously the very Old Testament God says, oh, well, you know, because this person went crazy with zeal for me and killed this person and this person and this person, I'm going to spare your tribe. Yeah, it's 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 after the fact. It's excusing yeah. it after it's the a, fact. It's reward for zealotry. Yeah. And yeah. What what is the exact definition of a zealot, Nick? Isn't it the the part of the outside of the lemon that you put in for extra flavor? Just a little lemon zealot in there, just light. If you put too much, it's over it's overpowering. Yeah. It is overpowering. <laughs> the definition from the Dictionary of Oxford Language says a person who is fanatical and uncompromising in pursuit of their religious, political, or other ideals, or B, historical, a member of an ancient Jewish sect that aimed at a world Jewish theocracy and resisted the Romans until AD 70. Very interesting that we that we have this very historical reference that clearly was political. Right. You know, and, and so... so social sociological yeah, yeah i mean that original definition it's it's one of those things where where this sect of people they were the zealots mm-hmm. and then the the definition kind of transcended and could be applied to more people who who had those characteristics right yeah and it's funny how our how the the connotation of a word evolves over time i mean you know you could say that in the context of the biblical zealots like yeah resist rome Right. Yeah. They're the bad guys. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the they were the the Jews were being crushed and and persecuted. Persecuted. So yeah. Exactly. Do do it. But now we view zealotry as something that is just dangerous and out of hand and almost and almost out of place in the modern world. Well, I mean, sh- should be, should be. But <laughs> yeah. Let's talk music really quick. Sure. This is the heaviest song off of the album i would say i agree i wrote i wrote down like stadium rock it's that chuggy guitar is really impressive this is my favorite of the music videos too Mm, by the way yeah this is the animated one as opposed to the puppets or the shadow puppets but yeah it's very very chuggy very good The one with the sperm the one with the sperm that's right yeah chuggy it's got a minor sound to it the minor of the verses when we go from minor to major, you know, like generally that imparts a sense of like hope, right? Lightness. Right, right. But when it goes into the chorus, goes major into the chorus, carrying the zealot gene, no right nor uh, right nor left, no in between. It's just bright depression, I guess. Like it has it's, a sense <laughs> of, of aggressive kind of triumphalism. Yeah, I, there's, I guess there's zealotry in that chorus in that like, yeah. I'm so excited about this. Did you oh. ever see those old like... 19th century breakdowns of, or maybe they were earlier, of what what each of the keys' personalities were. Mm, I don't think so. One of them, I think it's maybe, I don't remember which one, but it's like, you know, this one is gay and warlike. Yeah, a zealot. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. 
we also have with the guitar, we have the guitar not doing what it often does in tall songs, which is playing counterpoint to the voice. We mm. to the voice. We actually have this going alongside and almost in in lockstep, if you were. We do get a little bit of counterpoint, which is it, you know, you could argue that all this is thematic. Right, right. We do have some synthy strings later on, which provide a little bit of counterpoint. Yeah. But they also at various times provide this kind of just eerie, unnerving drone. Yeah, there's there th- that fog of war, you know, where where you get tunnel vision and you you yeah. just hear that kind of drone in your head. I I I get that sense here with the the darkness and and that synthy string you said. The I want to I want to point out that fl- that flute meander that Ian does in kind of the bridge that it's it's the lightest part of this song. Yeah. But it's what does that flute? What does that meander do for you, Nick? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, personally, I mean, I like it. It's fun. It it, it breaks that kind of blindered chug ahead. Mm. But, but what are we getting out of it for the the context of the song? You know, I'm not complaining. I'm I'm just kind of theorizing here. Like, what is that? Sure. Yeah. I don't know. This is one that I'm really excited to get into in 2024 when we eventually get to break down each of these songs yeah. for a full episode. Absolutely. Yeah. A couple of things that I that I do want to point out before then. There's this line, someone has to take the high road, someone has to make the bed, no one has the right to tell you to lie down when all is said. That, specifically that last little bit, mm-hmm. reminds me very much of a Bob Dylan song that was mm-hmm. written in 1962. Okay. It's Let Me Die in My Footsteps. Hmm. It starts, I will not go down under the ground because somebody tells me that death's coming round. It was in response to the proliferation of nuclear weapons at the time. And people oh. were saying, you have to build a bunker. You have to be ready to literally go down under the ground. Sure. And Bob Dylan is in that saying, no, if, no, I'm not going to do that. I will die in my footsteps. Yeah, if it happens, it happens. Yeah, I will die free. And, you know, th- there's a little echo of that in here for me, but it's almost per- it's almost perverted. I think it's more akin to the adage, you've made your bed, now lie in it. Definitely, I, yes, I think absolutely. that's where it's coming from. It's definitely there. Yeah, but it's almost saying it's almost saying like he's saying no one has the right to tell you to lie down. It's like that that perspective that you don't have to accept the act the consequences of your actions. Yeah, or you can ignore them. You know, I think that part of zealotry is ignoring a lot of reality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. I and I want to. I think that's a good point to wrap up on. Is is Ian has come out and said many many a time particularly in the, the lead up to this this album, that that this song in particular and the name of the, the album itself, it doesn't reference a specific person. Right. You know, but... Right. But there's <laughs> so many examples of specific people who do fit the bill. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. We're, we're kind of entering an age or we've been in an age for a little bit now of despotism. Right. And we have... You know, you could pick any number of of examples around the world right now. Yeah, throw throw a dart at the map, and like it, it's it's poignant to us because of the situation that our our country is in. But I'm sure it is. Uh, and, and I'm not familiar with, I'm not super familiar with world politics, but I do know of other examples. So oh, yeah. of course, of course, there are other people in in various countries. But I mean, he talked. Does he does? Isn't there a line in there about Twitter or tweeting like that? Yeah. That's like the number one. Yeah, of course. But again, you know, Twitter is has become such a, a a platform for this for this very black and white discourse. Yeah, and it's you know it's not just in the, in the United States. It's 
England, it's Turkey. Yeah. You know, there's so much. Even Duterte in the Philippines, you know, uses that medium. So it would be almost more comforting to say, oh, yes, this song is just about this one person. I know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Done. Wash your hands of it. Put it to bed. But no, it yeah. is It is a, a the zealot gene is contagious and worldwide. Whew. Well, Nick, if we if we live long enough to get to this in 2024, I'm really excited to break it down with you. Yeah. Until then, what is the next song that we have the pleasure of listening to right now? Next up, track number five, the first of our singles to drop, the first of the music videos. It is three minutes and 41 seconds. We have Shoshana sleeping. Yow! Sexy Bible stuff, Nick. Sexy, sexy Bible stuff. My goodness. This is, of course, based on the the sexiest part of the Bible. The Song of Sexy Man. Solomon. Solomon. The Sex of Solomon. The Sex of Solomon. It is a long lyrical poem, or it's a series of lyrical poems, that's basically dialogue between a, a young woman and her lover. Yeah, and some people have have tried to construe that as, or have interpreted that as, the, the desire for one's God, you know, that we are all the brides of Christ in a way. That was the name of my biker gang, actually. The Brides, the of, brides Christ. of Christ. <laughs> I think that is a stretch. And yeah, I think a lot of religion is a stretch. I mean, valid, super valid. I think, yeah. I mean, I think that's just a, a a poor attempt at trying to be like, oh no, we're pure and chaste and we love Jesus. And yeah, and- no, this is a very it's it's a it's a song. It's a poem about desire and intense desire. The intense desire between lovers who even dream of searching for each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first the first poem is is in the person of the the young maiden who longs to be near her lover and enjoys his sweet little smooches. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't enjoy his sweet little smooches? <laughs> Again, this is the first single that dropped. This is before I heard it. Before I, I knew it was dropping. Before I heard it, I thought Shoshana was like a pet name or something for Shona or the full name for Shona. I thought this was a love song. To Shona. Well, and why not? Why can't it be both? And it, and that's and that's after listening to it and looking at the lyrics and everything. Like it still is kind of a love song, right? Like it's oh, it is. It's nice. It's very nice. You know, I I think what's fun about it is that he's describing the singer. Let's say is describing his sleeping lover, uh-huh. which is something that Ian has done before in various songs. Sure. Yeah. Jack in the Green, Velvet Green, Heavy Horses. <laughs> No, I'm thinking of the dawn sun, sun breaks over sleepy gardens. Dawn sun breaks. A home. Home. Yeah, home. Yeah. Or even one white duck. Well, one well, white duck is kind of divorcey, yeah. There's there's, there's some, when we get to this song in a couple of years, we'll look up the specific things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, But it's not terribly often that he is so direct in his romance but it's nice when he is. This is very direct. Fingers yeah. tremble, trace the line from nape to sacrum down the spine. Yeah. Ooh. Sacrum is is what? Like the tailbone, right? The sacrum is, yeah. It's it's uh it's the bit that connects. Yeah, it's the tailbone essentially. Yeah. yeah. And the nape of the neck. Yeah, all straight down the spine, baby. His voice in this though, like that raspy like asthmatic whisper underneath. You know what it speaks is, to me of? Oh. Someone who is so full of desire. 
Oh, sure. Yeah. That your mouth goes dry. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I need I need your sacrum right now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's good. It's so effective. It's it it's borderline creepy. But it's it's also really good and it's it's a nice take. We're used to hearing Ian do that like kind of just spoken lower bass part to do his harmonies, but he takes it to the limit on this one. Yes, I was going to say there there's there's some spoken word on this that we that we heard maybe a little bit with one of my favorite songs, Hot Mango Flush. But we haven't heard it that much. Is that seriously one of your favorites? I love Hot oh Mango Flush. Oh my gosh, yes. I've seen so much hatred for that song. Hot Mango Flush. <laughs> The only song co-credited for writing with Martin. Oh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that explains a lot. Yeah, it does. We're halfway through now. We are on Sad City Sisters, three minutes and 40 seconds. What a sea shanty we have going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Holy accordion, Batman. <laughs> Love the accordions. Always such a treat to hear accordion intel. Or in any context, really. Or in, well, not any context. In any context. Okay, I'm sorry. Any context. I love hearing it in tall as well. What a what a light acoustic number. Yeah, it's just all all around acoustic. We've got we got acoustic guitar. We've got penny whistle, right? Not flute. I think this was a penny whistle. Amazing accordion and just a little rock and tambo, and that's really it. Yeah, this tambourine is not too temperate. No, it's it's there. It lets you know it's there. It's wanton. If it's if it were a, a tambourine snake, it would have bitten you. I'm <laughs> terrified of tambourine snakes. You know that. The more deadly cousin of the rattlesnake, yeah. <laughs> this one refers to Ezekiel and the description of the two harlot sisters. That's right. They committed whoredoms in their youth. Uh, who hasn't? Who to, hasn't? Really? And the end of the story... One of them was found in her nakedness and slain with a sword. And her sister did not repent, but became even more corrupt in her inordinate love and her whoredoms. I mean, who hasn't fallen for a a group of Assyrian horsemen before? I I mean, that was most of my high school career, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I actually, you know, I understand the reference to this song. I'm really interested... To break it down with you in a little while, in a couple of years. Yeah. I, this one is a little opaque for me. I love the sound. Agreed. Fascinated by the by the context. Interested by the question of like, that I think Ian is posing of sort of why should we care about someone who we don't have to really, you know, deal with? Like why tip the cabbie? Yeah, I, th- I think that's ultimately the thesis here is is why feel compassion for people and share that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I, I'm interested to get more into it later. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But but knowing that going into this song, hearing all these pieces and knowing the the, the Bible verses that that are that inspire it, it's kind of makes it a, a nice, a nice encompassed unit. I love the references to Eros and Agape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not biblical, but but. Grecian philosophical. Greeklical. Yeah. Greeklical. Let's skip on forward. Yeah. Track number seven, Baron Beth, Wild Desert John, three minutes and 37 seconds. Goodness, Luke 1, verses 36 through 41. Guess what we've entered? We have entered the New Testament. The Nude Testament. Oh, I did not catch that that was, that's how that progressed. That's yeah. interesting. It's really interesting that even 
maybe I was looking for it. Maybe I'm projecting, but I feel like there is a shift musically. Yes. Oh no, it definitely gets lighter this whole this second half. Yep. Right, right off the bat. And yep. it's funny when I first listened to the album, I I was like, oh wow, it's almost, it's almost a, a reverse of Walk Into Light, where the first half is quite light, and then the second yeah. half gets really, really dark. And yeah. I was like, oh, it's funny. It's kind of backwards, but then I it makes total sense because that's what the Bible is like. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why I didn't catch that. I mean, this is about baby Jesus. The, Jesus in utero. Well, actually. Well, it's about it's about John in utero. But, yes. Yeah. So fascinating. Of course, the story that we're that we're that this is based on is is the story of Elizabeth, who was soups old, barren. So so old she were barren. Yeah. So like you know thirty seven. Yeah. And uh, and she and her husband were like super old and like couldn't have kids, and then blamo, pregnant. Blamo pregnant and that's uh that's the name of the pregnancy test that we use <laughs> blamo pregnant that's funny that was the name of my rock band when i was in oh nice very nice and so when when mary when gabriel is like hey sup mary you're gonna bear a child even though you are a virgin mary's like well how's that possible and he's like how's that possible girl blamo pregnant it's <laughs> uh, like he's like listen as evidence haven't you heard of your of your cousin Elizabeth when everyone said she was barren? Now she's six months pregnant all of a sudden. So go talk to her. Everything's possible. Yeah, and and when she does, John kicks in her womb at Mary's presence. And that's that's the the reference in the, the song as well. And that's the story of the bromance that began intrawomily. That's right. Yeah, and so so Elizabeth is John the Baptist's mom. He is the second important J that is referenced in the song. I really love the lines head on a platter, cross on nail. Oof. Cause that's how they both they both eat it. Uh, Spoiler alert, that's how they both eat it in the end. <laughs> very, 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 very good. Cousin Mary gets all the credit, iconic mother. What <laughs> Baron Beth wrinkly life bringer. I love that. Helped two J's, two little J's to find their nest. It's really like sweet and cute. But there's a touch of bitterness. There's a touch of like, sure. hey, this is actually kind of just as impressive as the whole Jesus. Birth. Yeah, right. Exactly. More so. Yeah. Yeah. Because because she did it first. Yeah. Yeah. I love the I love the repeating. Oh, the joy. Oh, oh the, the joy. joy. Yeah. Cousin Mary, cousin Mary. Yeah, winged Gabriel, young Gabriel. Yeah, I like this. My biggest, and maybe this is the transition into this New Testament thing. Like, where's the allegory here? How does this translate? I want it to. So bad. Does it need to, though? Yes. Why? (laughs) Why? Yes, because then it's just a religious song. And I don't, I don't want just a religious song. I want that amazing, like, mirror imaging here. Well, I mean, I think it's one could say that often we, the way that narratives are spun in our modern world often overlooks the complexity of, of reality in the same way that the narrative of the of the of this part of the bible is often spun as like mary was so amazing cuz she was young and had a kid it's like actually way more interesting in a way that this old old woman who was considered barren was able to give birth but that part is often you know like that's not part of the the christmas homily typically okay that was not in the disney 
presentation with a 150-piece band where the woman who voiced Ariel in The Little Mermaid told the Christmas story that was not in that a couple of months ago when I went and saw it. Yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me. No. You know what was in that, though? The song Bear in Beth Wild Desert, John? No. Oh. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> What's next? What was in there? No, you can't, you can't leave me hanging. What was what? You said, what was in there? Do you know what was in there, though? Oh, a full dozen straight trumpets. Straight trumpets? Yeah, like like uh, Bugler's... Coronet. No, like a, literally a one straight horn. Yeah, is that not a coronet? No, a coronet is a kind of a trumpet. A coronet is, is basically like a trumpet, but it's just, it's more twistily. Oh. It's like literally like an announcement horn, like a yeah. fanfare trumpet. Huh. I thought, I thought that was a corner. My life is a lie. Let's move on. You, you have betrayed me, Omen. And that is a great segue into song number eight, four minutes and six seconds. The Betrayal of Joshua Kine. A bouzine is what it's called. A straight trumpet is a bouzine. <laughs> I had some bouzine weekends in my youth. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you've yet to recover. This is Matthew 26, 14 through 16. It is the least allegorical, I think. I think it's even, I think it's even more straightforward. Oh, oh, someone is teapotting over there. (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just overly keen to find allegory where there is none. Yeah, I think you are. But I think that's, I think we have trained ourselves to do that. Yeah. Being halfway through the Tull catalog. One of my favorite courses in college was literally all about allegory. It was called the alleg- it was called Allegories of Love. That it was, it was all about ancient literature. That sounds like a, a Sarah, Sarah Lawrence class. <laughs> I my grade my I got a I got a yellow in that course. You got a you got a heart a heart sticker and a gentle hug. Oh, I wish I had gotten a gentle hug from my professor. She was awesome. Told that you were respected. From the Bible, this is Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, yo, what are you going to give me if I, if I give you Jesus? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. That he did. I, I, I don't think I, and it's been a very long time since I've, I've perused this portion of the Bible or any portion for that matter. But like, what's the point of the, like the guards come in Judas kisses Jesus to signify that, hey, this is Jesus. He's the one that you take. Did they not know who Jesus was? I think, you know, I think you have to remember they had been roughing it for like a while. They'd been hanging out in the desert. Yeah. They'd been not working. Got it. All their hair was long. Sure. They were all wearing, you know, whatever. A bunch of hippies. Right. They were, they all, they were all just long haired, bearded, bearded dudes. Yeah. Also, maybe worth remembering there was no photography of any kind at that time. They didn't even draw wanted posters. Not well. Not well, anyway. It was just stick men. Yeah. Have you seen this stick man? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, I I, I think that I think the frightening thing about Jesus for the Romans and for these priests was it kind of could be anybody. He was an everyman. Yeah. It could be literally any of these people. And so I, you know, that's why that's why with Herod, you know, back in the day, it was like it could be any child born this year. Right. Yeah. Or whenever. Or this this day, maybe. Sure. I don't know. No, it wasn't just the day. Yeah, yeah. But once you get snogged by Judas, then you know that he's he's the special one. Yeah. Judas doesn't just do it for anybody. He does it for 30 pieces of silver, but not just anybody. That was, 
That was one of them 30 pieces of silver kisses. Oh, oh, baby. Mm. Oh, baby. Bachelor party material right there. So the piano in this is so fun. It is. So very fun. Ding, 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 ding. What a treat. What a different sound this one is. So you noticed this, and I, I actually hadn't noticed this, but you had sort of pointed out that the rhythms get more complex as you go. In yeah. This album. Yeah. This is a great example. It's in a kind of a a quick eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's very crisp, but there's a lot of kind of within that, there's a lot of syncopation and like pulled rhythms and the instruments, you know, all the different parts pulling against that time signature. So like yeah. it is in a it is in a fairly steady time signature, but it's it's been there's some tension in there. There's rhythmic tension. Yeah. 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 So Joshua Kind, Jesus Christ. Yep. Old JK. Joshua and Jesus are are synonymous. They are he is very often referred to as Joshua. And he's kind. And he is kind. Even though it is spelled as K-Y-N-D-E. It's I mean it's it's Jesus. It's it's J Ban. It be Jesus. So tell me, tell me the the allegory here that you have you have you've stretched into the into making. Well, I think that you know there's so many instances in the last number of years of us us as a society selling out our friends and neighbors for mm. for a few pieces of silver. Sure. I mean that's super valid. I think, you know, I not to not to get super specific, but there was that law that was passed recently in Texas where oh my god, you know, the abortion law which which says you know, and and where wherever you fall politically on this, although I think you can see the comparison of like you know, the law basically says that you anyone can go rat out anyone you know for having sought abortion services. Literally anyone can sue a person who helped someone get an abortion, not the person getting the abortion, not the doctor. Well, them as well. But the Uber driver who drove you there. And you can and you can sue them for about $10,000. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what's the difference between that and Judas saying, oh, yeah, what do you what, what do I what do I get if I sell out my 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 friend? 30 pieces of silver? Great. What's the inflation rate on 30 pieces of silver? I'd say it's about it's about worth $10,000. From 45 CE, you know? <laughs> and, you know, obviously that's not a direct comparison, but but I think that this idea of, like, we're willing to sell each other out, we don't, we value each other's lives at so little. Yeah, that's, that's really, that works. That works very well. And it saddens me. <laughs> As... It should. Nick, what's the next song? The next song. We are on to track number nine. Three minutes, 53 seconds. Omen, where did Saturday go? Ooh, let me check my pockets. Oh, it was oh, it was in the wash. Damn Ugh. This song, mm-hmm. if you told me this was a, a lost track from the Christmas album, I'd say you're right. You know, it's so funny. I was going to say, if you told me that this was a last track from one of the Beatles albums. Oh, okay, sure. Does it not remind you a little bit with the guitar? I get the it. Walk, the walking guitar lines and the sort of like Sunday, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. That's Eight interesting. Eight days a week. One day a week. One day. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so this is Luke 23 verses 52 through 56. 
has to do with the the burial of Jesus. There is a the the preparation and burial of Jesus. Right. Yes, Joseph is like, hey, feels kind of wrong to uh, leave this kid out here on the cross. Yeah, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll see to his burial, and so he he wraps him and takes him up to the the tomb in the rock where no one has lain before. And and they have to get it done with before the Sabbath, which is right. Saturday. Saturday, yeah, yeah. But but to translate to to present day, it's I think it's where did Saturday go in reference to oh we've got church on Sunday, so we we've run out of time on Saturday because tomorrow is Sunday. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about this this song in terms of the uh, have you heard the term the the Sunday scaries. No, no. <laughs> it's that feeling you get when you realize you've wasted your entire weekend. Yeah. Oh, I'm familiar with it. I just didn't have, know it had the term. <laughs> you have to go back to work tomorrow. Yeah, I think that's 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 pretty poignant because because by the time by the time Saturday evening hits, especially if you like if you're going to church or something, you're like, well, my entire morning is gone because I have to go to church. I might as well do nothing on Sunday because I right. got to go to work on Monday. Fridays felt so alive, savagely, wickedly entertaining, watching come up and survive. But where did Saturday go? <laughs> where did Saturday go? Well, you probably spent it hungover. Yeah. I mean, if you're Omen Clytemnestra Sade, then yes, you did. I used to do. In your, your past days. Or if you are Jesus of Nazarene, you spend Saturday undying. Undying. Undead, unbecoming, becoming un, undead. Yes. No, nope, not quite. Ooh, sorry. Not quite. Re, re, um, resurrected, rehydrating. rehydrating, revivified, revivifying. The acoustic in this is really nice. We got very plucky acoustic here. The double flute is such a treat. It's so nice in this. Is it not? I it don't sure appreciate no, this, sure the, the face you're making here. It's going to make a penis joke. Oh, yep. Wait, wait, a, wait, a, wait a set the scene for our new listeners, Omen. Thank you. No, no. Thank you. <laughs> thank And thank you for listening. Nick, what's next on the on the album? Next is the tenth song, three minutes and thirty seconds. Must have been planned to be three minutes and thirty seconds. Three loves three. Three loves three. Important comma in there. Yes, three loves comma, comma three. Very light, lovely sound on this. Another light one, yeah. Hopeful guitar, mm -hmm. flute that is positively sprightly. Some fun, splashy tambo, and is that it? A little more in there. There's a bit more. I think there's. I think there's maybe maybe some bass, but it's it's pretty pared down. Yeah. It's kind of a. It's kind of the Ian special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's another it's another light one. Fewer calories. Fewer calories. All the great taste, though. All same great taste. Exactly. This refers to. John. 21. 15. Dash 17. Yep. So, Nick, this is a very interesting, I, you know, this is, for my infidel uh, experience, this is this is probably the most that I've looked at a Bible in in very many, very many years. And that's why I smell smoke. Is that it? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but this is an interesting passage in which after the, after the bit about fishing, they all go on a nice fishing trip. So this actually jumps back chronologically to before the last track, Where Did Saturday Go? Which is a departure from most of the album because most of the album follows the books of the Bible pretty much in order. Yeah, so it's almost like kind of one of those flashback scenes. It's a little nice. It's effective. Yeah, <laughs> yeah remembering the good old days. Yeah. 
And this is a scene where after a lovely fishing trip. Yeah. Where I believe is where the miracle of the loaves and the fishes happens. Where, where the boys, the boys hung out, had some loaves, had some yeah. fishes, walked on some water. You lovely, know. lovely biblical fishing trip. Jesus asks Simon Peter three times, do you love me? Much like that song. Do you love me? 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 Now that I can dance. Watch me now. Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, Yeah, so this is one of many instances that we see three. Three is a significant number in the Bible, much like seven is a significant number mystically. And three is also a significant number in most religions. Well, yeah. Yeah. I would say three is religious. Seven is mystic. We've got the Holy Trinity. We've got this example of Simon being asked three times. Right. And Jesus, Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. That's not in this. That's not in this book. I'm just saying we we see three several times. Three people on the crucifixes when Jesus is, is crucified. Lots yeah. of threes. Lots of it. Yeah. So it seems to me, oh, wait a minute. This is actually not, this does not go back in time. Doesn't it? No. Oh, that's right. That's right. In the, the books jump back and forth in terms of narrative, but in terms of the books being published in the Bible, this does come after. Yes. Well, and also if you look at, if you look at, John 20, 14, it says, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Bing, bang, boom. So this is actually a a triple three. It's three cubed. This is a nine, everybody. It's like that episode of Star Trek when Data keeps seeing threes everywhere and he realizes it's because of the three pips on Commander Riker's lapel because they both have different ideas about how they should get themselves out of this time loop situation. And Data realizes that he should actually go with Commander Riker's idea. And so he sends himself the message of three back in time along his positronic net. It's like that episode. Anyway. Bang on. Yep. So it's an interesting thing where Jesus is asking Simon Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he says, yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And Jesus says, after every time, he says, tend my sheep, feed my goats, look after my cows. Pick my rutabagas. Don't forget to wash the giraffes. And I love the the way that Ian breaks this down because, I, I you know, just looking at the Bible, it's sort of like confusing. But actually, Ian does a really great gloss on this where he says, yeah, it's not for me that I ask sweet reassurance. It's for you to see, to see love's firm endurance. Yeah, it's easy to say at one time. But when you're asked over and over, you really got to think about it. It's like a Meisner exercise. Oh, my gosh. I am baking bread. I am baking bread. I am baking, <laughs> you are baking bread. bread. I am baking bread. You are baking bread. I am baking bread. You put emphasis on there. You can't. You can't. It's got to be. <laughs> so, you know, I think for me, this is like a little morsel of hope, actually, in this album. Sure. Yeah. It's saying, you know, here's all the things that are falling apart. Here's all the awful things. Here are, here are the ways that we're selling ourselves out, selling each other out for 30 pieces of silver. And yet there's something that endures. Sure. And that's the triple power of minty fresh love. Now, <laughs> with three times the taste. <laughs> now in toothpaste. 
So, okay, so that's your, your allegory is just the the steadfastness of love. Love will endure. The endurance of love in, in, yeah. in an unendurable world. Okay, I like it. I like it. I'll take it. What's next? Speaking of endurance, this song moves seamlessly into the next song, so- sonically. Like, there is no break there. I missed it the first two times. I did not know where this song started. But this next song is the penultimate track. It is... In Brief Visitation. Three Minutes Even. Wow. I mean, just on the level of rhythmic complexity, that song is so gorgeous. This is... This is hands down my favorite song off of this album. That doesn't surprise me. This is the most beautiful tall song we have heard in many, many albums. It's really, it's really good. It is really, really good. Gorgeous. It's also on the sentimental side, which explains why you like it. That's true. I am a great big softy. You are. A soft serve. I'm a soft serve. A sprinkles on the side. Who gets sprinkles on the side? I don't know. (laughs) I do. Also, I'm, I am a sucker for that really clean transition into the next yes. song. Like that, that's very effective. And that's something we haven't heard in a long time also. That's that's super true. Yeah, that's very, very rare for Tall. This song also, I mean, has <sighs> has a lot going for it musically. There's, the guitar ha- goes back and forth between some very interesting, complex, rich rhythms. Yeah, yeah. I love that sort of, ugh, I can't even describe it. And, and the acoustic specifically, yeah, the acoustic it's an acoustic, guitar. yep. But then we also have little details like, I think, a glockenspiel. There's something in there, yeah. We have some strings. Oh maybe my they're digital strings, but they're God, strings of some they're kind. so stunning. The strings, yeah. The mandolin comes in a little bit too, like just a tiny little strums, nothing crazy. Right, there's the piano. It's, it's delicate while being <sighs> robust. It, it's gentle while being enduring. It's... This, this song makes me want to cry. It's so... Beautiful. This song makes me want you to cry. <laughs> you always want me to cry. This though. is a safe space, Nick. You can cry when you Thank want. Thank you. So this is John 21, 25 and Luke 24, 12. Yeah. Okay. So it's very interesting that he lists them in that order because in the Bible they're listed, they, they go in the opposite order. Uh-huh. Maybe it was just by virtue of alphabetical. I don't know. I can't imagine he would have, they, they would have been listed for that reason. Luke is Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Right, and then the John is the very last piece, the last sentence in the the book of John. And there were also many other things that Jesus did, which, if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Amen. Man. Which, I mean, just those two things, I feel like we're really getting into like la mystère yes. of the Bible. And, you know, this sort of, oh, I love, I love this, this idea of the brief visitation, you know, in a sense, all of us have a brief visitation on the earth. Yeah. And isn't it the goal to, you know, really leave a lasting impression when we leave? To, to fill up books. Sure. You know, and I love the, I love this idea that, you know... I need someone to love. They need someone to hate. Yeah, they still need someone to hate. The fall guy was here in brief visitation. You know that that a role needed to be fulfilled, it, both in terms of blame and in terms of there being a 
a lightning rod for this sea change in society that needed yeah. to happen, where there was a, a change on focusing on brotherhood and you know loving each other. Fall guy being the guy to take the fall, the scapegoat, the one, the one to blame. Yeah, the sacrifice. Yeah. And now you're gonna laugh at me, but this also reminds me of the role that Batman takes on in the Christopher Nolan movies. You know that that sense of like, oh, okay. You know, he was simultaneously the hero that Gotham needed and the villain that they wanted. Yeah. And was able to, in a brief visitation to Gotham City, especially in that second movie, The the Dark Knight, and the whole thing is The Dark Knight. Batman begins, The Dark Knight rises. Rises, yeah. Return of the Return of the Dark Knight. Return of the King. <laughs> the the one with the one with Catwoman, right. The 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 one with Sauron, yeah. Fast and Furious 3. Obviously a terrible comparison, but one but you know. That idea that like one person can fulfill many roles and and that like, wow, talk about a gray area. Yeah. Jesus really is kind of one big gray area. He is. He wasn't meant to be one area. You know, he wasn't supposed to be black or white. He's He's been. He was a brown man. He was brown. Yeah. He's neither black nor white. He's neither black nor white. There you go. He fills the brown area. <laughs> so is the So is this song... Is this about celebrity? Is it about politics slash politicians? Is it about just needing someone to love? Is the answer yes to all of them? I think this is a really, I'm so excited to really peel away this song in a couple of years. I know. It's the first couple times I listened to it, I, I immediately fell in love with it, as as you would know instantly. But it like it, it bugged me so much that it's like, on the surface and the first five layers, it's really a Jesus song. But I think there's something more. I think there's something more there. But isn't that the point of the story of Jesus? That like, yes, it's the story of one person. And yes, you know, people get very attached to the very specific like, oh, well, he said this, so we all have to do this and whatever. Yeah. But isn't really the purpose, the role that Jesus fills in in Christianity to point out that there is like the power of human kindness and that that kindness and love is divine. For me, that's what I think. I think this whole album is saying is kind of laying out like here's everything that's wrong with the world. And it's horrifying. Yeah. And that first part of the album is like, you know, literally giving me goosebumps and wanting to curl up into a into a ball. Yeah. We've brought ourselves back to the Old Testament. Yeah. 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 We're we're almost at the at this apocalyptic kind of, you know, hellfire and, and God raining down brimstone for our sins. Yeah. And then toward the second half of this album, we start to get this like, but love can redeem us. Yeah. Kindness can redeem us. Yeah. And and religion aside, and, and everybody knows that I'm I'm vocally outspoken con religion. I always get my religion on the side when I get ice cream. Yeah, that's right. You don't ever put the ice cream on because they always put too much. Too much religion. Too much religion. <laughs> but but that being said, like, Jesus was a cool guy. Oh, yeah. And he was, he was, he was used to create power and structure and control. I mean, Nick, the thing that's blowing my <laughs> mind about this album is that Ian has come full circle from I can't believe those GD priests made me learn catechism. Catechism? What the heck are those priests doing putting Jesus in a golden cage all the way through to like, you know what? Screw it all. Back to the trees with me. 
druids, 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 <laughs> to then like going totally away from any kind of religion and being like, you know what, I like the experience of life is is all that matters. All the way full circle to like, wow, the story of Jesus in the Bible really has some valuable lessons for all of us in this trying time. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what a character yeah. arc. Yeah, that's that's pretty valid. Yep. With uh, with Salamander's ragtime smack in the middle. <laughs> it blows my tiny little frayed brain, Nick. Yes. Okay, I like it. So let's let's wrap this baby up with the final song. In a manger. Let's swaddle this baby <laughs> in swaddling clothes. And uh, let's swaddle the fisherman of a thesis. Track 12, 3 minutes and 41 seconds. Wow, what an abrupt end. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Goodness. Musically, Nick, what, what is this, uh, what do you hear? I, I hear themes that we heard in Zealot Gene. Musically, okay. musically, not even, not even like the, the concept of the sure. lyrics, but musically, it reminds me very much of, of Zealot Gene. Scott Hammond is knocking the hell out of the drums in this one. Very, very good drums. Like it a lot. He's beating them like he caught their hands in the cookie jar. That's... Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot you went to um, you went to a nunnery for school, and that's that's how you were treated. <laughs> that's how I became a nun. That's that's why you are a nun. Uh, someone said, "Get thee to a nunnery." You I took was it. Like, okay, say more. All right. Stop drilling. You've hit oil. <laughs> this is uh, such a nice dark button to the end of it. But when we get into that fisherman of Ephesus, the the chorus is really light. So we've got we've got mixed mix and match pieces of what we've heard throughout this album so yeah and you know the would you call this a concept album i wouldn't this is a discussion that i want to have with you we'll we'll have to save it for later but i i think it is a concept album in the sense that tool to rock and roll was a concept album Mm. that maybe even aqualung was a concept album concept in in maybe italics or comic sans, so you don't take it too seriously. Concept, but none of the letters are written together. They're all just dumped in a pile and you can, you know. Yeah, you can pull the word concept out of it. Yeah. But I think thematically and story-wise that we can see an arc. It's all it's all biblical. It's all telling us a narrative tale. I could see this like War Child. Or, or too old. This could be a, a gosh darn stage play. Yeah. You know, you can't spell concept without Anke. That's a fact. Yeah. 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 You can't spell concept without Petcon. The, the, the incident that Ian is referencing with his lyrics here, or, you know, oh, sure. Right. On the top is from the book of Acts, which yes. is very interesting. The book of Acts is where is the acts of the disciples, the less than a dozen of them that were left. Right. This is this is post crucifixion, post resurrection, post ascension. This is go go out and tend my flock. This is the tending of the flock and the consequences thereof. Right. And you know what I didn't realize until I did a 30-second skim of this entire book of the Bible is some homies had a hard time. Sure. That the flock did not necessarily want to be tended right off the bat. Sounds like a lot of religion. <laughs> but, you know, that that Jesus tasked his disciples with going out and doing good works and, and to spread the spread the 
The message of love and kindness. Spread the good news. He is risen. Turn the other cheek. All do good stuff. deeds, etc. Brush yeah. your teeth. Brush your vegetables. teeth. Yep. Um, and in this... Don't eat after midnight. You'll turn into a gremlin. Yep. So day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Oh, that makes a lot more sense because I was in a totally different part of Acts. I, I was on seven, not five. Yeah, this is Acts 5, 40 through 42. And Messiah translates to leader or savior, promised deliverer of the Jewish nation prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, Jesus was a Jew, everybody. I don't know if that throws things off for you. That, but That's that's good. Yeah. But also, you know, not all the disciples really were able completed their mission. Some of them stopped along the way. Some of them were arrested. You know, there were lots of lots of problems. And so, like, I think thematically, if we took the album as a whole. I sort of feel like. You know, obviously it does parallel the flow of the Bible, but there's this sense of like, you know, yes, love and kindness, but that is not easy, that that is a very difficult path. And if right. you are going to, you know, if you're going to go out and offer that to people, be prepared for it not to be an easy road to hoe. Yeah. Yeah. Because because people hoe roads. <laughs> it's not an easy. Nope. Nope. It's not a not an easy Girl Scout cookie to sell. That worked, right? It does. This this podcast not brought to you by the Girl Scout Cookies. We wish. We wish. Nick, I, um, obviously lots more to talk about with this album. So much more. Again, I want to welcome everybody who listened for the first time. I encourage you to go back and listen to your favorite songs. Go back and start from scratch, which a lot of our listeners do. More power to you. It's a good, it's a good adventure ride. Or jump around and listen to the to the podcast based on your favorite songs. However you want. It is it is wonderful. And we hope to hear from you, sweet listeners, along the way. And we'll be back in just a few scant days with our regularly scheduled episodes. Until next week, I am the genetically zealous Nick McGill. I am the younger of the Harlot sister, committed to my ways, Omen Said. We are the Sad City Feckless Momes. And this is the terrible trek up Mount Zion that is Talk Tall to Me. Gather around, everyone. I want you all to see this, to witness this. Simon Peter, son of John. Do you love me? Hold on, just one more fish. Sorry, sorry, what was that, Jesus? Simon, mm. do you love me? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, I literally left my job and my family to come hang out with you in the wilderness. Yes, yes, I totally love you. Feed my lambs. Okay, sure. I'm going to go. Can I go back to fishing now? Or Simon. Yep. Yes. Son of John. Okay. Do you love me? G I'm not saying you're being clingy, but we have been over this. I definitely, I wrote you that letter where I said that I love you and you have it in your pocket right now. I can see it. I can see it in your, sticking out of your pocket. Yes. I literally love you. Literally. Peel my potatoes. Oh, okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to get Simon. Okay. Yes. What is it? Son of John. Mm -hmm. 
Do you love me? Jesus Christ. I literally have the words, I love Jesus, tattooed in huge letters on my body right here. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. I just got that done. How could you? I freaking I freaking love you, man. Wearing me out. Make me delicious gluten-free bread. Simon. Yeah. What is it this time? Do you love me, Simon, son of John? You know that I do. You know that I do. You know that I do. Simon. What what crazy thing do you want to ask me now? Answer me just this one question. What is talk tall to me? <laughs> oh my god, where'd he go? He's gone. He's gone. He disappeared. And I never got to tell him that Talk Tall to Me is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. I must tell everyone!